Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Hello again, wonderful individuals of the world and the galaxies beyond, wherever you are. My name is Lynn, and this is Every Person Everywhere, stuff that hopefully you can relate to. So, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about my experience in the Golden Circle and experiencing all that the Golden Circle has to offer. But first, a little bit of a personal note. It was at the time that we set out for the Golden Circle where I had learned that my father's mother, my Nana, would be placed on hospice because of her cancer becoming terminal. Now, obviously, this wasn't great news to get via text message at 3 o'clock in the morning, Icelandic time. But I knew that I would do what it took to visit her as soon as I got back to tell her about my stories and to tell her about the Golden Circle in particular. For days to come, including as recent as this day, I've thought about ways to help people reduce the strain that having somebody who's sick or terminally ill or has a terminal illness or disease or disability of some sort takes on the family. More on that later as I continue to develop that into what could hopefully one day be a full-fledged business idea. But that was not what I had in mind back then. I just wanted to make sure I enjoyed the rest of my time, which was approximately two to three days worth, and that I had stories to take home to my dear old grandmother. And so it began with a little drive in our little rental car out to Geysir. Geysir is the Old Norse word for geyser, and that is where the word geyser originates from. It all started with the Old Norse, and it continues to become the thing that it is today in Iceland. So we drove out to the first of the three national sites of the Golden Circle tour, which is a little loop in the center of the country that hits on many different things. Along the way would also be the Secret Lagoon in Skalholt and Selfoss, which I already talked about, Selfoss having one of the most impressive natural dams and being a very quaint town that has a lot of arts and cultural history. Skalholt being the oldest surviving church that had secret passageways to escape the Templars' inquisitions and raids when they just wouldn't want to do that and they were just fed up and couldn't be asked to do any more. And of course, stopping again in Hetleskerti, the elf village, so to say. But the three important ones are Geysir, Gafos, and Thingvetlet. So, Geysir. Exactly what it sounds like. Three very big, hot geysers. One, Little Geysir. Another, Geysir. And a third one, Strokkur. So, Strokkur means strong stroke, basically, in Icelandic. And Strokkur and Litlegeiser were the only ones that were still functioning because man-made geothermal attempts to harness the energy of the Earth by drilling into it and basically fracking in its own respective right created one of the last massive earthquakes in Iceland back in 2003. Geysir now only really erupts once per year because of it, because that one was fed directly by the volcanoes and that volcanic activity. So 
Thanks, humans. You ruined Christmas once again. And we will talk a bit more about people trying to harness the energy in a bit, which is why the Golden Circle is so impressive as it is. So needless to say, fracking was ended in the country shortly thereafter because they didn't want the other two geysers to stop blowing their top. And so we start with Strokker. So Strokker is the most active geyser that is there at this point in time. It is also either on this geyser or on Lütlegeysir that um, two German tourists decided that it would be a great idea to body surf on boiling water because it shoots you way up, way up high in the air. Well, of course, the downside of this is it shoots you with enough PSI to basically put a hole in sheet metal. So, um, yeah, it shot them up into the air, but needless to say, they did not survive the fall. Uh, and when they did, if they did, then they were in the hospital very shortly afterwards and succumbed to their injuries. This once again goes back to the conversation we had about if Iceland says don't do it because health, you should probably listen because they've seen enough stupid tourists die because of it. Now, because it was Christmas time and New Year's, obviously a lot of tourists were in the country. There always are, but especially because of the holidays, because it's something nice to do for your family for a holiday. And so these people from all over the world were piling in and out of tour buses, stopping and getting food at the geyser shop, which is where we were at at this point in time. We talked to a very, very awkward local who was very old head in this thinking. He reminded me of a conservative from like the 1960s or 70s, which has proved to me once again that this type of person can exist even in the most liberal and socially justice countries in the world. And so he did. Also, interestingly enough, that he chose to sit with um, two, well, vegan and mostly vegan individuals and chow down on chicken drumsticks, sitting with us because he likes to talk to tourists and is bored. He was definitely one of the unusual Icelanders because most of them stick to themselves and their own kind and do their own thing. But anyhow, we looked at the geysers, we took them in for a little bit, and then realized that we still had about two hours of driving ahead of us and the sun was already cresting the horizon. And so we forged onwards to Gutfoss. Now Gutfoss is a giant waterfall that cascades 120 meters down a cliffside. It is the biggest hydroelectric dam potential in all of Iceland. So of course the government wanted to take advantage of that as well, just as they did with Geysir, trying to ruin the environment for the sake of energy just like goes in a lot of other places in the world. There were some individuals, however, that were not very happy about this decision. Namesakely, Sigridur Tomisdottir and her father. So they, with very little experience and very little money, put together all of their savings from their summer jobs and the farm to hire a lawyer and defense attorney and then walk the 75 miles there from Reykjavik back in the 40s or 50s because she died in 57 and put up a protest with her defense attorney to make sure that her favorite waterfall and favorite place to spend summers at after all they did sell their vehicle to make sure that they could go and protest all of this happening so she now had to walk there 
and so she did to make sure that they would not build a hydroelectric dam out of this happening because Langayokal Ice Glacier and Fita River fill this this uh, waterfall with its water and its source the uh, one of the biggest rivers and the second biggest ice cap glacier next to Vatniyokot in the entire country. And so if she had anything to say about it, they can gladly go upstream and source some water via dam, but there was no way that she was going to see her favorite waterfall be destroyed. And so thanks to her, she got an honorary degree in environmental science and environmental protectionism died shortly afterwards because of ill health, but still, she is remembered for years to come as the woman who preserved Gotfoss. And now when I'm saying waterfalls are deadly forces to be reckoned with in wintertime, I mean it. I do not stutter whatsoever. With the wind chill and the draft from the crashing waters that drowned out all sound within 25 to 30 meters of their edge. I was freezing. The picture that I have of myself by this waterfall, you can barely see my nose and my cheeks, let alone any other part of me. I was bundled up and still. I was being tossed around like a rag doll because of this wind. I honestly thought that I was going to fall into the waterfall, which would have definitely been bad, and I definitely wouldn't be having this conversation with you if that happened because frostbite and hypothermia would have definitely taken me before I got to the nearest hospital, which once again, Reykjavik, many miles away. So we enjoyed Gotfoss for its majestic beauty, took in and basked in the sights as much as we could before realizing we still had one major part of the golden circle to get to, which was Thingvetlet. Now Thingvetlet was the fields in which the Althing used to meet before the Althingi, which is the official parliamentary and government building in Iceland. This was the field where all the magic happened. It was a beautiful field in what they thought at that point in time was the center of the country. And people from all around the country would come by way of horse carriage, by boat, by walking, whatever it took to participate in the government of the local people. It was there that they made all of their decisions. And now there's lots of geolithic formations that were moved there by erosion and by humans. And you can still walk into that field where a thousand years ago they gave their sermons and their speeches and people from all walks of life came to figure out what was going to happen next with their little old country. And boy, was it a sight to see. Now at this point in time, it was time to get souvenirs and mostly start packing it in for the night because it was entirely too dark to see. So when we got to the secret lagoon, we enjoyed the secret lagoon for what it was worth in the dark. And we also took some time to look inside, although we couldn't really go in because we were broke and didn't spend or want to spend money going inside a place like this when we had other financial constraints that we were worrying about. After all, it was our second to last day in the country and we were very broke at this point in time because we under budgeted. And so we enjoyed the remainder of this tour that we took ourselves on by going to Sefos and by going to Skauhold, like I'd said earlier. 
The whole round trip probably took us about six and a half hours and consumed all of our time. That evening, we were invited to go to the hot springs that I mentioned earlier. They were in Reykjavik itself. You could buy a day pass for like $18, or you could buy a week pass for $25, or a season pass for $80, $90. Obviously, we didn't have time for anything more than just visiting for a day. And because it was very last minute, and we literally had 40 minutes until the place closed, they decided it'd be a better idea if we got a buy one, get one free deal, which was very nice of them. After we got done there, we went and participated in some Kundali yoga, which was my first time doing the whole dragon breath, fire breath yoga thing. There were individuals there, including Selena and her partner. There were individuals there who have been there for many, many months, and um, some not so many, but all of the individuals were there on a donation-only basis, and all of the individuals that met in this hotel had accumulated themselves from at least eight different countries based on the people I talked to. It was wild. And this, my friends, mostly concludes my trip to Iceland. Now, when our time came to an end, my friend and I did not have time to go to the Blue Lagoon because of financial and time constraints. We had the frozen car to go back to. And, of course, beyond all things, we had to deal with customs and boarding the plane and getting out of the place in an efficient manner. At this point in time, cheap planes usually wait for no man. After all, they don't have financial claim insurance. They get their profit off the tickets alone, and that's it. And so... My friend, of course, happened to be one of the random search people at the end of the trip, and they were the last person to board the plane because they were the last person to be random searched. And now this happens at security patrol. It happens every 50th person or so. So there is no way of knowing if you're going to get searched and you have an hour and a half to get to your plane, or like my friend and I had, we had approximately 30 minutes to get to our plane. Needless to say, I made sure that the captain of the plane knew, and the captain held out for my friend so that uh, we could all board in time. Did I mention that not only did my friend buy some questionable souvenirs, um, they also weren't very good at hiding this fact, so I was very, very worried for my friend's safety, and fortunately they made it in one piece. And we got back to the States happily ever after, taking nothing but memories and a few souvenirs. Oh, and also a couple of lava rocks that we, technically speaking, weren't supposed to because part of natural conservation. But when in Iceland, you gotta take some freebies somewhere, you know what I mean? And so I still have those rocks to this day. I will come to collect many a rock from many a place throughout the years, with some of my favorite being from Iceland and Cyprus and Lithuania specifically. And so, my trip to Iceland came to pass. On the next episode of Every Person Everywhere, I'll talk a little bit about budgeting for a trip, because this is something I learned the hard way with this trip, and it was something that I would come to learn how to do much more effectively on my trips to Texas and Colorado, respectively, to visit two very close friends, one from elementary school and one from undergraduate. I will talk about these trips in detail over two or three episodes, combining some days together, and that'll most likely be the theme for the rest of the podcast, is 
blending episodes together were applicable because a lot of things do blend together in the long run. And that's okay. It's hard to maintain every single detail in the fashion in which it happens sometimes. But it was because of this adventure to Iceland that I started learning how to budget more effectively for my travels. And so, the next episode I talk to you, I'm going to be talking about effective budgeting. And then in season three, I will go over the breakdown of how I went from each country to country on a bootstrap and a budget and spent as little as possible. And quite frankly, I'm somehow uh, surprised to this day that I was able to survive without much of a hitch. Until then, I add my beautiful silence.